<laughs> Good morning, everyone. First of all, just welcome to church, literally. Um, this morning has been absolutely amazing. And we know that God is not God of coincidences. If it's your first time here, God wanted you to be here. God wanted you to experience the worship. God wanted you to hear the word. So welcome to church and get stuck in, get plugged in. Um, this is really interesting because, <laughs> and I said this last week, um, I had my notes all typed out and what I was going to say, and then God changed it right before I got up. And God's done the same thing now, but it started this morning, and my son is normally a really good sleeper. He sleeps between, he's only two months old, but he sleeps about seven or eight hours during the night, and it's amazing. <laughs> and what he tends to do is he'll fall asleep by about 10.30, probably 11, 12 latest he's in bed, right? Last night, he didn't sleep. <laughs> Last night, he, I had him for about an hour and a half, and then I had to take him for another hour before he finally went to sleep. And I'm just like, Gideon, you need to sleep. I'm talking tomorrow. I need to read my notes. But in that, what, what I ended up doing was I started singing to him to help him fall asleep. And it turned into kind of like a mini worship session in my room. So I was sleeping. I'm holding him. And I just started worshiping God. And I was, I was moved to tears. And eventually he fell asleep after I did that. But then I was like, okay, Lord, so what do you want me to do tomorrow? And God gave me a word, and it just fits in with everything that's happened so far. And the first thing that God told me to say to you guys first is, God is not finished. God is not finished. And it's, it's November now. It's starting to be the end of the year. And some of us have had some real stuff happen to us this year. And we're at the stage now where we're just like, this has been going on all year. I'm fed up. And you're not even really hopeful anymore. You're just looking forward to the new year. You're just like, do you know what? Let me just get through this year because next year we can start again. We can have a fresh start. I've got two more months. I just need to get through. But God hasn't finished this year. God still wants to do stuff this year. And all the songs that we've been hearing have been about fighting, keep persevering. God isn't finished. He is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. Don't hope for next year. Hope for now. Hope for today because God is not finished this year. God has so much stuff that he still wants to pour out and fix and finish. And we're here like, do you know what? I'm done. I'm just ready for next year to be here. We can no, God is still interested in today. God is still interested in this year. And the second thing God, God, God told me to say was everything will make sense. And sometimes it feels like when you're in it, it doesn't make, no, not sometimes, all the time. <laughs> when you're in it, you're like, I don't get it. God, I prayed. Why is this happening? But everything will make sense in the end. Everything will make sense in the end. And those are the two words God told me to bring first of all, but then it ties in with my testimony. Um, and I'm going to go into a bit more detail than I did at Witness. So, Witness, sorry. When I was young, um, I've grown up in a Christian home. My parents have been pastors my whole life. And my parents went through a really rocky stage um, in their marriage. And it made me just kind of really resent my dad and just be like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to see you. I don't want anything to do with you. But um, being African, um, the African family dynamics are quite 
traditional. So you've got your dad, who's like the patriarch of the family. He's the head of the house. And obviously you've got your mom. And it's very traditional roles like that. So I was still, I still had to serve him. I still had to obviously make him food, keep the house up. But I, in my heart, I pretty much hated him. I'd, I would come home, I'd say hello, go straight to my bedroom, come downstairs, make him a meal, get him food, go straight back up to my bedroom, and I'd leave it like that. I'd only talk to him when I needed to speak to him. And my heart was so cold, and I was bitter. And I didn't even realize, and I was so angry, and I would go to church, and it was a struggle to even be under his ministry, because I was just like, I don't want to be here, I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to be associated with you. Um, and God had to really do a work on my heart. And it got to a stage where God showed me that I was angry. God showed me that I was bitter. But God showed me that I needed to let his love into my heart. And I needed to let him heal my heart. And God would say to me, no, you need to pursue your dad. So I would say to him, okay. I started praying for my dad. And I would say, Lord, change my dad's heart. Lord, help my dad. Lord, do this. And God was like, no, you, you need to pursue him. And I was like, I don't want to pursue him in love because he's hurt me. He's the one that did wrong. He's the one that did these things. Why is it my job to love him? He should be loving me. He should be the one saying to me, I'm sorry. He should be the one trying to make amends. He should be the one gathering the family around. And God was like, no, I want you to do that. I want you to pursue the one who hurt you. I want you to pursue the one who, who did all these things. I want you to love him. And God started to lead me to pray for him. And instead of praying that God would change his heart, God started to pray, say to me, pray for his heart. Pray for him. Pray, that, pray blessings over his life. Pray that he will be fine. And I had to start praying, Lord. And it started off with, God, I thank you for my dad. Amen. Because that was all I could do at first. And then it turned into, God, I thank you for my dad. I thank you that you've put me in this family. I thank you that you have stuff to do. And then it changed into, Lord, I pray that you will bless him. I pray that you will keep him. I pray that you will watch over him. And I started to pray good things over his life. I started to pray that God will lift him up. God will raise him up. I started to pray that God will make him the man he needs to be. God will shower him with love and affection and all the things he needs. And when my prayer changed, when God put his love back in my heart and his heart for my, my dad in me, because I started to see past the pain, and I saw, no, this is a person that needs God. This is a person that needs Jesus. And it's not my job to be bitter or angry. It's my job to pray and see that through. And God put his love in my heart, and I was able to love my dad and love him honestly. Not just doing things because I was the daughter and he was the dad, and that's what had to be done. But I had to do it in love. And God changed that situation around. Now, at the same time, I was going through, this was a really, really, really rocky stage in my life because I was really ill at this time as well. And looking back on it, I do think it's down to everything that was happening, but I, was, I had to have an operation. I was in and out of GP. I was on like, a lot of the time I was taking about 12 different medications at the same time. The doctors didn't know what was happening, but they were just treating all the symptoms and it was really bad. At the same time, I was almost, because of um, my ill health, I was in university, and I was affecting my attendance. They were going to kick me out of university, and all of this is going on at the same time. And I'm just like, I'm stuck. And I hit a space where all I wanted to do was just carry on. I put blinkers on, 
I didn't, I didn't want to do anything else right. I just need to wake up every morning, make it through the day, and I'll be fine. That was all that was in my heart, okay? I'm up this morning, I'll be fine. I need to carry on. And I shut off the world. I shut off everything around me. And I was like, as long as I make it through this day, I'm fine. As long as I make it through this day, I'm fine. And I got cold. My heart shut down. I started to shut out God. Reading my Bible became just a tick box exercise. Going to church was just a tick box exercise. I was just doing the things that needed to be done, but my heart was cold. My heart was empty. I had nothing left to give. You know, like when you've got a big family meal and you're scraping the bottom of the pot and you're trying to get that last thing out of it. That's how my heart was. I was empty. My health was up and down. I had all this at home. I was getting kicked out of uni. I didn't know what to do. It was just there. And I was empty. Absolutely empty. And God had to step in. He had to because I was broken. I was broken. I was at the bottom of myself. I had nothing left to give. And slowly and slowly and slowly, God started doing the work. Now, this leads into the second thing I was going to say because everything will make sense in the end. All of those things were happening at the same time. And I was just like, Lord, why is this happening? I came through everything and God brought me through, but I still didn't make sense. And I was like, okay, those were just crazy life experiences. I don't know why, but they were crazy life experiences. So we got married <laughs> just over a year ago. And before we got married, the word God gave us was that there is much that he wants us to do and that we're going to be a couple of great faith. And I was like, okay, God, I don't know what that means, but I'm just going to take it. And three weeks before our wedding, I got suspended from work for something that was just, I didn't do it. Somebody else did it. I got in trouble. I got suspended. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm getting married in three weeks. <laughs> Still got to pay the rest of my wedding bills. <laughs> Might not have a job when I come back from honeymoon, but hey, whatever. Let's do this. A week later, I got taken to the hospital. I got a call when I was sat at home doing nothing because I'm suspended from work. <laughs> I got a call from Ayo that he's going to the hospital. I'm like, um, why? Went to the hospital. They think he's having a stroke. This is two weeks to my wedding now. And we're like, okay. So they did all these checks, whatever. They discharged us and it was fine. That same week, we hosted a mission trip from America. So about 15 people came over from the States. And we did missions with them all around Manchester. We got married, went on honeymoon, and came back. I still don't have a job. I'm suspended, sat at home, twiddling my thumbs, newlywed, arranging things in the house, doing whatever I can do to keep busy. And I got another phone call two days later from Ayo saying he's going back to hospital in the ambulance. And I'm like, okay then. I'm driving to the hospital now, Salford Royal. And the first thing that came over me was, what is going on? What is going on? I just got married. What is going on? And immediately, I said no. And I said to God, I said, God, before we got married, you told me that we are going to be a couple of great faith. And you told me a vision of what our life is going to look like. And I remember exactly where I was on the East Langs. And I said, so I said to myself, I'm not going to be afraid. And I drove and I said, 
because all the things God has told me he's going to do in my life haven't happened yet. I haven't even had a child yet, and God told me I'm going to be a mother, so I'm going to be fine <laughs> because I'm not pregnant yet. <laughs> and I'm driving down the lines, and I'm like, I'm fine. This is going to be fine. So we ended up, we got to the hospital, and they did MRI, and long story short, they said he had a brain tumor. And I remember when the doctor told us, <laughs> we looked at each other, and we just laughed. And the doctor looked back at us, and he was like, you probably need some time to process this, so I'll just leave you to it. And we looked at each other, and we just went, it's going to be fine. And the guy who was in the, the bed next to Ayo looked at him and said, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. Oh, I can't believe it. And we were just like, no, we're fine. He's just like, oh, I can't believe it. You guys are so young as well, and you've got a brain tumor. And <laughs> it was just like, in my head, I'm just like, why are you all up in the business? Like, <laughs> no one's talking to you. But anyway, <laughs> so we drive home now. We let our parents know, and we're praying, and we were fine. And the, me and I were, he asked me, he was just like, are you sure you're okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. Are you sure you're okay? I'm fine. And it was kind of just like, why are we not worried? Why are we not bothered? Why are we fine? Why? So we carried on. Long story short, you guys know that um, God healed it, totally removed, nothing on the scans, the, like, just disappeared, <laughs> totally disappeared. Within two months, God, the first scan it reduced, the next scan after that, it was totally disappeared, like, doctors can't explain it, but obviously we can. At the same time, I'm still going through all of this stuff with work. They ended up dismissing me from work, and I'm like, okay, now I really don't have a job. We've got one income. I just found out I was pregnant. And I was like, okay, now we've got a kid on the way. This is going to be tight. But in, immediately my thought was, but Lord, you knew this would happen when you let us have this child. So you're going to provide, however. Now, why am I saying it will all make sense in the end? Why did God tell me to say that today? Why am I sharing my testimony? Because everything that happened earlier on in my life, all that stress and all those feelings and all that bitterness and being down and being stressed out in uni and being sick and knowing God healed me and all of that, those were tools that I used to fight through that period of my life, through that first year of my marriage when it was just like, Lord, what are you doing? Because I had had all those experiences, I was able to be like, no, God, I trust you. And instead of the first time with my dad, my response was to resent him and to let there be tension in my home and to let my demeanor to him be wrong and to let my heart grow cold because of everything that was going on around me. Now we're married and all of this is going on and we're not tense. We're still talking. The house is fine. My mom's calling me and she's like, how's your marriage? And I'm just like, we're fine. And she's just like, oh, because like all of this that's going on, it's really stressful. And I'm like, no, mom we're fine. And I remember the story in the Bible about um, David. And before he confronted Goliath, what he said to Goliath was, I've killed the lion and I've killed the bear. So who are you uncircumcised Philistine before me? And the same thing that happened to that lion and the bear is going to happen to you and you're going to fall. So everything makes sense in the end. Everything makes sense in the end. These trials that you're going through at the minute that seem like all hope is lost, that seem like you can't make it, that seem like you're broken, that seems like what is going on in my world? 
These are the experiences that you're going to use and you're going to remember that lion. You're going to remember that bear that when you are broken and out and when this Goliath, this massive Goliath comes before you, you're going to be like, who are you, uncircumcised Philistine, the same God that delivered you from that lion, that same God that delivered you from that bear. Guess what? He's going to deliver you from that Goliath. He's going to deliver you from that Goliath. And what even made it more stressful about Ayo's, um, when, when they said he was ill, was his dad died from the same thing when he was young. So we then had to confront those feelings of, okay, Ayo's dad died from the same thing. Uh, is it going to be the same outcome? But you know what? I knew the God who delivered me from that lion and that bear, so we stood strong. Everything makes sense in the end. And I was able to draw from those experiences that I had growing up and be like, no, God, you saw me through. God, you delivered me from being cold. You delivered my heart from coldness. When I was down and out when I was young, you delivered me from that coldness. And it is an injustice to let my heart go back to being cold because, God, you saved me from that. You removed me from that. You took my heart of stone and you gave me a heart of flesh. So even in all these trials, guess what? I'm not going to let my heart go cold this time. My heart's going to be open to the love of Christ. And in that, I was able to serve. I was still able to do everything I needed to do for God. And that's it. You have to let God's love in wherever you are, whatever your situation is, whatever it feels like. When it feels like you've got nothing left and you're empty and you're like, God, I can't take it anymore. What you need of Christ, the love of Christ, because he will penetrate your heart and he will change everything. He will change everything. And you know what? We stood and we smiled, not a fake smile. We had joy, pure joy, pure joy, pure joy in Christ, because we knew that whatever was coming our way, he knew and we'll be fine. We knew it would be fine. And we're like, Lord, we don't know what's happening, but you're in control. But we had to go through that stuff, and I had to go through that stuff when I was young, so that God would sort out my heart. So by the time I got to these giants, it was like, okay, cool, I can do this. And now my position is, what next? God, bring it on. Because you saw me through that lion and the bear. You saw me through Goliath. And after Goliath, guess what David had? He then had to contend with Saul, who was the king. And the king wanted to kill him. He threw a spear at him. David had to go into hiding. But because he killed the lion and the bear, because he killed Goliath, who was King Saul? He was like, what next? He knew God's vision and God's plan for his life. He knew that God had destined him to be king. And come what may, he was like, I can stand. I can do this. I'm not even going on my notes, but this is good. <laughs> I will read this, though. So... Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 to 7. And the long and short of it is, we have this church in Ephesus, and God's speaking to him, and he says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do, I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. 
You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. This church at Ephesus was going through some stuff. They were being persecuted. They just look at the language in scripture. It says, I know what you're doing. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. God is saying to them, I know it's hard. I know what you're going through is hard. And I know that you're grinding. I know that you are patiently enduring. I know that you're not quitting. God is looking at them and saying, I'm commending you because you know what? You're actually sticking it out. It's hard, but you're sticking it out. God said to them that you are enduring. And what does that mean? Enduring means to sustain without yielding. That means that you're not compromising. And some of us, were in some really hard situations and we're still standing for God. We're not compromising in our faith. We're not giving up. We're still standing. We are enduring. We're just like, Lord, this is hard, but I'm going to keep going. Lord, this is hard, but I'm going to keep going. And God is commending us because he knows. He knows exactly where we are. He knows what we're going through. He knows it's difficult. God knows. But there's a but in this verse, and it changes everything. In verse 4, he says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. And when we go through hard times, the first thing that we shut down is our emotions because we think, I don't want to feel what's going on because I just need to keep going. I just need to make it through. And when we do that, we stop loving. We stop loving people. We stop loving God. Everything becomes a chore. Everything becomes a tick box exercise. And God is like, I want to put that love back in your hearts today. I want to break down your walls. I want to take you out from this shutdown mentality where you're just like, I just need to keep going. And God's like, I need you to still radiate my love in your hard times. And that's what God wants to do. That's what God wants to do today. He wants to say where you've shut down, where you've shut me out, because you can't shut down without shutting God out. Because God, God is all in our emotions. And if you start shutting down, then we're not reading the Bible. We're not hearing from the Lord. We're not doing all things. We're not in communion with Christ. And God's saying, you've actually shut me out because you've shut down because life is hard. And God said, I want to put my love back in there. I want to put my love all up in that mix. And guess what happens when he puts his love back in there? Absolute which is why we could be at the doctors and they're saying, you've got a brain tumor and we can laugh. <laughs> Which is why I can be at these meetings at work and they're saying, you did this, you did this, you did this. And I'm like, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And I'll, I'll go home and yeah, I cried. <laughs> and I looked at, there was one day I got in the kitchen. I was in the middle of cooking and I just stopped and I had to cry my eyes out. But even in that, there was peace. Because God's love was in the mix. Because my heart was not shut down to the Father. And the Father's heart is that his love is always there. The Bible says that he never wants to leave us or forsake us. But sometimes we shut him out. Because we're just trying to make it. I just need to make it. I just need to get through this day. I just need to get through this thing and I'll be fine. And we close God out. And he wants to love on us so hard, guys. 
and his peace. And what else comes is strength to fight. But not in your own strength, in Christ's strength. So you can be in a situation and be like, Lord, sort it out. And that's your fight, but that's Christ's fight in you. But that is when his love is in your heart and it's radiating and it's effortless. You can sleep at night peacefully. That thing is still there, but you can sleep. You can rest. That's why you don't fall into depression because God's love is there. God's love is holding you and cocooning you. But when I'm trying to rock Gideon to sleep, sometimes you probably have to like hold him and cocoon him and, and wrap it up in a blanket and make him feel safe and warm. But that's what God's love does to us. When we're in our trials and we feel like we're shut and, and, and there's nothing there and it's hard and it's dark and it's cold, we shut out Christ's love and Christ's love is there to cocoon us, to comfort us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is a comforter. You know, on a cold night, and you crawl up in your bed and you pull the duvet straight over your head and you wrap it around you and you rig around a bit to warm up the bed because it's a bit cold. And you find that, you know, everybody has that spot, like that, that sleeping position that when you just get in it, it's like, yeah, I can sleep in. You feel comforted. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us. In our trials, that one spot where you know, or, or it might be a, a specific spot in the couch We've got really comfortable couches and you sit and it just hugs you and you just drift off into sleep and you wake up and you think, I don't even know when I fell asleep. <laughs> that is what the Holy Spirit wants to be for us, a comfort. But we've got to let his love in. We've got to let his love in. And Christ is saying, I know that you're grinding, guys. I know that you're not lazy. I know that you're just not letting life pass you by. But you've shut me out. You've shut me out. Where's the love? Where is my love radiating in your heart? And that's what God wants to put back in. Ezekiel 36 verse 26 puts it like this. I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. And give you a tender, responsive heart. God wants to take our heart of stone. Life has hardened us. We used to be happy. We used to be able to walk into a room and brighten it up. We used to be that friend that people would turn to because they would know that they could always get niceness from you, a, a good word. When they were down, we'd be that friend that would pick everybody up. And we're not anymore. And our hearts have grown cold. And God's saying, I want to put my love back in there. I want to take your stony heart that's been hardened and cold by life and I want to put a heart that is tender and responsive so we can respond to the Father's heart, so we can respond to the people around us because guess what? People will only see God through us. They only see Christ's love through us. And if we're not giving that, then they're not seeing that. So God wants us to be able to respond to each other, not out of bitterness, but out of his love for us. God wants to let his love shine today. God wants to let his love fully radiate our hearts to break down the walls, break down the barriers. Life is hard. Life is difficult. Life throws stuff at us. But God wants to say, do you know what? I'm in that. I want to be in there with you. 
I want to be in there with you because you're not alone in this. And I need you to know you're not alone in this. Everything will make sense in the end, but only if you let God in there with you. If you're doing it on your own, it's not going to make sense. And whereas for me, it took 10 years for it to make sense. I'm not saying it's going to take six months and it makes sense. But it will make sense in the end. God is not finished. God is not finished. And he is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful to complete what he started. And in the final two months of this year, what I want us to get is, okay, God, there is still two months for you to work. (laughs) I am not just hoping to see this year out so that next year can come and I can get a fresh start. I can have a New Year's resolution and be like, all right, cool, God, New Year, boom. No, God is like, I'm interested today. I'm still working today. There's still time for God to move. There is still time for God to move. And I love how this service has gone because it's been this message of praising God, but of faithfulness. The, the, overall, the overarching theme has been God is faithful. God is faithful. And even as Adam comes back up and the worship team, that's the message. God is faithful. God is faithful. He's not finished. It will make sense. It doesn't seem like it but it will make sense. We serve a faithful God. 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 Faithful. Faithful. That means he is always there. Always. Always. And sometimes that's hard for us to get because we're used to so many people leaving us. I'm used to so many people saying I'm going to be there and they're not. And we're used to so many things happening that don't make sense. And we're used to a hard life. That we don't even understand the faithfulness of God, but he is faithful. He is faithful. And sometimes you have to stand in your mirror and look at yourself and say, Fatmon, God is faithful. God is faithful. And when the whole world is screaming everything else, When your heart wants to hide and shut down and be cold, you have to look at yourself and say no, because God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. And you have to remember that where you are now is not where you were 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago, one year ago. And what got you through the faithfulness of God? It is God that saw you through. It is God that saw you through. And God does not change. God does not lie. God does not change his mind. And if that same God delivered you from the lions and the bears, that same God will deliver you from that Goliath. And if you pass your Goliath and you're at King Saul, guess what? That same God that saw you from the lions and the bears and from Goliath, who is King Saul in front of you? 
because he is a faithful God. He is a faithful God. He is not finished yet. He is not finished yet. It will make sense. I know it doesn't at the minute, but I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, it will make sense. Let God pour his love out to you today. Let God just wipe away everything. Just say, God, you know what? I am cold. I am broken. Let your love radiate my heart.